2: Hello and welcome to the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you doing, guys? Today, I am joined on the line by Matt and Allen who are up in Edinburgh. How are you doing, guys?
0: Yeah, very well. Good to be here again. Just ready to talk some serious Scottish rugby. No, good. I was happy with the game yesterday but uh, financially a lot poorer after a series of mistimed and <laughs> pessimistic bets on the game. So,
2: yeah, well, that, that'll happen, and that is why you're in charge of our betting segment, Alan.
0: Yeah, um, really smashing them out of the park yesterday. <laughs> I think you've, you've, got a, you've got a
1: good one this week, though. We'll, we'll hear it later, but I'm very much looking forward to that.
0: We
2: will come on to that later. Anyway, guys, welcome back after another victory for Scotland. This is rarefied territory. Two wins in a row and two out of three in the autumn internationals. Just a reminder, you can follow the Thistle on iTunes. Get on there and subscribe on the ACast podcast app or on Twitter at Thistle Pod. If you do go on and subscribe to iTunes, please leave us a five-star review, just like our good friend James C. Two 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 did this week. He wrote, "A podcast as world-class as Phil Godman." As good a grasp on Scottish rugby issues as Nick DeLuca's grasp on a rugby ball, and knowledge as powerful as Graham Morrison on the crash ball, this podcast does not disappoint. How about that, guys?
1: <laughs> so powerful. That, that's excellent. I mean, the only thing is, is he, is he kind of trolling us? Because as world-class as Phil Goldman suggests that it's really, really terrible. <laughs> world-class Phil? I mean, is he world-class? Is Graham Morrison powerful? That's the questions I'd be asking.
2: But. Phil Phil Godman did have that one really good half against New Zealand, where he scored that do you when he to over and scored that try. I, I yeah I do actually.
1: I, I didn't mind it that much. He just was presumably was not, was he was not world class.
2: But anyway, that's so that is what our fans are saying. We'd love to hear from you guys. Get in touch. On Twitter or on uh, via review. Um, what we're going to do today is we've got a really good setup for you. We're going to do our three sort of thistlely questions. We've also got the first thistle rugby podcast quiz, which is going to test how much it certainly we know about Scottish rugby. You guys can play along as well at home. We're going to have Alan Sure Thing. Um, but to start off, um, I think we're just going to have a bit of a chat about the uh, all the rugby that went on this weekend, guys. What did you reckon? Um.
1: Oh, was so much. I mean, you had to split quite a lot of screens. I um, suppose the first one I watched was well England Argentina at the same time as, as Scotland against Georgia. It's quite an interesting match. I think Elliot Daly obviously getting red carded. What four or five minutes in? Um, yeah. We chatted a bit yesterday about it. I was of the view that it was a it was a clumsy, unintentional act, but it was a definite red card. But I think Alan,
0: you've got a different view. Uh, yeah, uh, I I just don't understand how. It's a red card if we all believe that the outcome shouldn't sort of justify the like the the card.
1: The guy's in the air and he smacks him in the air and takes his legs out from Ethan and he's looking at the ball and then he looks at him and he smacks him. That's it's so stupid. You know you can't touch people in the air. It's definitely
0: a red card. So if Elliot Daly had jumped in the air and the outcome had been the same, then he wouldn't have got a card. No, because he's going for the ball. Yeah,
2: he wasn't. I think the key thing is he was not competing for the ball. And he also wrapped his arms round the guy's legs. He made it look like a tackle. Whether that was a split-second decision, which it probably was, because you see the way Elliot Daly reacted. As soon as the guy was on the ground, he was like, oh, I've, I've fucked up here. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, I think it was a red as well. But it is a bit of a funny one that would dictate the outcome. If we take that then the Argentinian one later in the game should have been a red card as well. It was just that Johnny May managed to get one foot on the ground before he fell over.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, uh, and then I think, did, did you see the second red card right at the end of the game?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, that was that that was definitely a red card. I don't think anyone can argue about that. That was absolutely horrific. He's going to be a big, big banner I reckon.
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I think it just shows England... Looking pretty, looking pretty good heading into the uh, to next weekend's game against Australia and then the Six Nations. If they can win a game from with fourteen men against Argentina, who sort of obviously we beat them last week, but they are a good side as we've discussed. That's I think England looking very, very good, and very strong off the bench as well.
0: Yeah, England have just got so much strength and depth. Just to go back to the Daily Point <laughs> very quickly. It, it basically means that it is just so stupid if any player is competing for the ball not to jump as high in the air as possible. Well, why wouldn't you? But because it's dangerous.
1: <laughs> well, until they what jumping up? You mean? Yeah. But until you change that law, then no, I agree. If you think that's very dangerous, then I know yeah. you're going to have a I suppose a situation where no one really competes for the ball, which would be rubbish. I don't know. I just feel like when you're st- when you when you're
0: focused on the ball, it's very hard to be aware of what's happening around you. And I think obviously it was clumsy, but with because there was no tent- intent there. It's like for example when Hamilton got the guy threw the punch at Hamilton last week and he missed, so it was a yellow card. That's such like an intent to literally punch someone in the face. <laughs> it's considered a a, a less serious offence than Elliot Daly accidentally taking someone out in the air. I was reading that Hamilton was talking about afterwards and he said he
1: just felt the clip around the back of his neck but he was like, if, if that connected I was going down like an absolute
0: sack of spots. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> horrible. But yeah, England's... I mean, England just going into the Six Nations is just such a well-oiled machine. 12 yeah. wins on the trot. Think, got to be favourites going into the Six Nations.
1: Yeah. I think probably the only
0: team that really has a good shot against them
1: is Ireland at the moment who obviously beat Australia yesterday. Um... And I thought we were looking pretty good, considering, you know, they had... Sexton wasn't playing, um, Henshaw wasn't playing, um, Sean O'Brien pulled out. Did he not? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like just yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. So they just got loads of strength and debt. You can bring in someone like Ian Henderson, I rate really highly. Um, yeah, it was, that was pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, I thought, I thought Paddy Jackson had a really good game sort of debutizing for um, for Sexton. He seems to have really come on in the last, uh, last little while. He's a completely di- different player than he was a couple of years ago. Now looking that he's comfortable at international level
0: he's a lot still really young
2: yeah
0: i was quite surprised he's like he's definitely not more than 23 really and he seems to have been around for quite a long time yeah but yeah no i agree i thought he was looking really class on the pitch yesterday and to nail that conversion um right near the end there to kind of give the three-point gap i thought was um really took some stones yeah it was was a good match
1: Australia sort of came back into it and i actually thought they were going to win but they weren't at the races in the first half. I'm not sure what that was about. It was a bit similar against Scotland, actually. I, I don't think they're quite there mentally.
0: Yeah. So if they can get that pack working, those backs are just unbelievable. Yeah. One quick ball. Yeah, And that's kind of just the whole thing. Um, but no, really, really good game. Mm. Yeah,
2: Brilliant. And then um, uh, probably uh, the one that nobody wanted to watch, um, South Africa-Wales. Wales managing to get over the line. But I don't think... I didn't see anything in there that told me that they're an improving side, other than Tipperik is much, much, much better than Sam Warburton. I don't know
0: how South Africa have managed to put a team together that was actually worse than the team that played against Italy. They are literally, <laughs> they are terrible and genuinely an insult to rugby. This, I know, it's just, I can't believe
1: it. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of chat that could see it, picked a team sort of full of up-and-coming, promising guys because he thought they would lose and then he's got the excuse of saying, well, we've got to blood these guys. But some of the players, that that winger, um, the new winger that had a Lengo I think his name, he's just a complete donkey. Um, And yeah, I just, I do not know where they go from here. I'm sure they could see he's going to lose
0: his job. Yeah, no, he has to. I mean, they somehow managed to make Wales look slightly inventive and Wales are... God awful as well.
2: Yeah, yeah quite
1: mean. like the um, the Sam Davies guy that they brought on. I think yeah, he's he is a good player. Case. I think if they want to change to a new style, I think they have to bring in players that aren't sort of accustomed to the the Warren ball and play with a bit of heads up. So I think he's he's a good wee player to watch. The worry
0: I think for Wales is that this win will gloss over a lot of problems for them going into the Six Nations and actually if they had lost to South Africa here it would have probably incentivised them more to bring in people like Sam Davies. Yeah. Yeah. I think well if you looked at Rob Harley
1: after the match, he just seemed relieved more than sort of, you know, really happy with the performance or you know, it seems as if that was the the result that they were really building up to, um, rather than it being sort of part of their whole journey towards Six Nations or World Cup or whatever.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like I I think he was probably just had one eye on his own job as well. I reckon if he'd lost that, there would have been huge calls for him to sort of step down or some, somebody to be brought in in the interim while Gatlin's away. So I think he's probably just covering his own arse in many respects. Um, looking over to the rest of the Six Nations teams, Italy, after their um, groundbreaking win against South Africa, managed to conspire their way to a loss against Tonga.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know who watched that game. But where do you watch that game? <laughs> Eurosport yeah. 3 or something. Um, yeah, I mean, it, Italy.
2: I didn't see I, it, but that is just them through and through, really. It's actually Scotland through and through as well, up until probably recent days, but um, yeah, I, I think they're a work in progress. Um, I think, that, as always, they've got these big days in them when other teams are playing badly, but I think, for me, before we go on to the Georgia game, I think, for me, it shows how far we've come from that sort of the, the arm wrestles that we usually have with Italy, is that, we managed to vanquish our banana skin yesterday, and um, Italy have sort sure. of come up against that sort of thing quite quite badly. And um, um, let's,
1: let's talk about the, the Scotland women as well. Yeah, let's, they uh, were let's playing, talk about them. So they, they were playing in a, a two, two-legged two fixture against Spain. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, as opposed, for the to, right. as opposed to the one-legged and three-legged races which they usually uh, compete in. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, that is that is really bad. That is the I
1: apologise. <laughs> I think we should keep that in. Um, so over two legs is what I was probably trying to say. Yeah, very good. Um, so they played Spain for a place at the Women's World Cup, which I think is taking place next year. Um, and they played the first game at um, Scottston last week, lost ten five. But I think we're hoping to. I think they played in Madrid yesterday, but unfortunately lost fifteen ten. Um, so that sort of continues their their quite bad record, actually, of competitive matches, but I think it's the first time they've got to that sort of World Cup qualifier stage, and there there seems to be quite a few positives, Um, sort of widening the player pool, Shade Monroe as a coach is a real sort of coup, Um, so I think there's sort of some some green shoots there. They've they've got to, they have, they have,
2: uh, a full-time uh, full-time player, sort of centrally contracted now as well. So that's a really big step that the, the SIU is making the investment into the women's game, which will hopefully turn this tide um, of them um, sort of continually losing, which is a real shame. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think the last one that we were maybe going to touch on was the New Zealand-France game, just so we cover off all the Six Nations teams. Alan, you, you watched it, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think France were... Pretty unlucky to lose this game. Actually, I think um, there was sort of 10-6 down. Uh, I think it was in the near the end of the first half, mm. and they put together this unbelievable pass play where everyone was sort of offloading. Fafana was just uh, making breaks, and but, as he does, Bowden Barrett intercepted on the New Zealand try line and ran the whole, ran the length of the pitch. And I think. Um, just looks like France have sort of been given a new lease of life. I, I know. I think from reading a bit of the Kiwi press this morning, I think they felt that they were quite lucky to go there with the win, mm. which is a a bit worrying for the Six Nations. And B is one thing I was wanting to ask: Do we think the Northern Hemisphere have now? Caught up with the Southern Hemisphere. I know at the World Cup when all four of the Southern Hemisphere teams are in the semi-finals, but now we see Ireland beating Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand all in the calendar year. England are unbeaten. Wales being South Africa. It's it kind we, of seems, we probably should have beaten Australia. It's at least a very close match. Yeah, it kind of just seems like the it's kind of evened up. Whether it's there getting worse. Or we're getting better. I think it's probably a mix of the two. Yeah, well, it's,
2: it's, I, I think after these AIs, if you were to look at a sort of world rankings, obviously not based ex- entirely on points, you would have New Zealand sort of that top level, and then a little pack underneath them, which would be sort of interchangeable, maybe England, Ireland, Australia, and France. I would say sort of in that second tier, and then uh, moving on from that, you sort of. Um, That's where Scotland, um, Wales, South Africa would be. But I think that second tier group, England, Ireland, Australia and France, they're pretty interchangeable at the moment. And I think that is good for Northern Hemisphere rugby.
1: No, definitely. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you, I mean, New Zealand's results in the rugby championship, they're absolutely killing everyone. But they've not really come over to the UK and sort of really put a team to the sword apart from Italy. But who really cares about that? So... Yeah, these things are cyclical, and you never know. But yeah, yeah things are looking quite good. Absolutely. I think it's Scotland's aim now
0: has to be: what do we do to get into that next group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: And definitely. I think what that seems like a perfect segue, Alan. Thank you very much. Into our three thistly issues of the pod, um, we're going to be talking about number one: what do we take away from uh, the Georgia match uh, yesterday? Number two: what are the main takeaways from the autumn internationals as a whole? And then, number three, we'll be looking forward to what rugby do we have um, before Christmas. So, um, Matt, do you want to crack on and give us your analysis of uh, the match at Rugby Park yesterday?
1: Yeah, I thought it was, a, it was a really good result, and it was a really good performance, importantly as well. Um, I thought that we sort of brought back the attack that we showed against um, Australia in that first match. Um, and I, I just think that Georgia, when we got quick ball, just couldn't cope with our sort of strike runners, Um like Hogg and Seymour, I thought had really good games. Um, I thought Laidlaw and Russell controlled things really well, just brought a really great tempo. Um, and, you know, maybe apart from the scrum, which was probably to be expected, the the pack looked really good. I thought actually, I was quite surprised to see it, but I thought Ross Ford had
0: one of his best games in a long time. Yeah. He was actually sort of, <clears throat> did a couple of really good
1: carries. He Maybe sort of being dropped was sort of a bit of a, a kick up the backside. Um, so I was, I was pretty impressed with that, pretty happy with that. Um, and yeah I, I, was, I, was really, I was quite surprised actually by how much we did beat them. I, I don't think they're a great team. But no, I thought they
2: were much worse than they were yeah. than I was expecting them to be. We talked all week about sort of respecting their their big pack, and we spoke last week about um, their experience of their front rowers, which I think rang true. I mean we can't deny that the, the scrum was, was solid in the majority, but still going backwards, and we did give away a try from it. But I was really disappointed with the standard of Georgia's sort of backs play, and they, we, we completely dominated them. There's one stat, which in the territory in the first half, we had 91% and 86% of possession in the first half. I mean, that is it's crazy complete dominance at an international stage. Alan, what did you make of it all?
0: Yeah, I think specifically in the Georgia performance, I don't think I sort of ever expected them they were going to be sort of chucking missed passes mm-hmm. and doing... um sort of really dominating us in their attack, but I was just so underwhelmed by their defensive performance. I know um, Russell and Hogg and Seymour all had good games, but just their line speed and their sort of defensive organisation was just so poor. And we were almost able to make yards at ease, um, which I think, as I said, was a bit to do with how our backs were playing, but also, yeah, I think... I really thought they would bring a lot more to the table. Yeah,
2: yeah. definitely. My, my my sort of my sort of takeaway from it was, I mean, it was just, it was great to see us going forward. I think it really proves that we can, our backs can now sort of really punish um, poor defences. I mean, we talked about, Matt, you mentioned Hogg and Seymour there. I mean, Hogg had 17 carries for 147 metres. Seymour, 17 <laughs> carries for 117 metres with over 10 defenders beaten between the pair of them. I mean, that's, Really, really great attacking play, yeah. And um, but and I think I'm not his biggest fan, and I've made that quite clear over the pod. I thought Ryan Wilson actually had a really um, a really good game. Yeah. And back into the side at number eight. He carried for over 70 meters, looked combative. He managed not to get a yellow card, which is really a massive deal for him. <laughs> so that was great. Well done, Ryan. Um, but I guess what one of the things that I was... I, I caught up with the game. I didn't, didn't see it live, so I was watching it having no in the score and was sort of watching for maybe some, some bits to be a bit negative about. Did you think we were a bit loose with the ball? I mean, we, we, um, we gave away, I think, 17 turnovers throughout the game. Hamish Watson had four just himself. Um, I just thought that while we did score an awful lot of points, we just maybe that we weren't as clinical as we could have been given the amount of ball we had. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think when you do have that much ball, just by the law of averages, you're going to make quite a lot of mm-hmm. mistakes and get turnovers. But obviously, that 17 is still quite high. I think it was part of the game plan to keep the tempo up and to keep offloading because there's Georgian guys, I think, as they're used to playing, you know, big 10 man rugby in um, in France. They're they're probably not the fittest in terms of you know keeping up with a quick game. Um, so, yeah, I think that's slightly this point. I, I also think that I get it in international rugby now, you bring a lot of subs on at the 55, 60-minute mark, but when, when that happened, we just seemed to completely fall to pieces for sort of a 10, 15-minute period. Um, and that's where I think I think a lot of the mistakes occurred. occurred.
2: Yeah.
1: And I, I wonder whether that's just, you know, any subs, if you bring on that many, it'll, it'll mess things up, or whether just there's still some issues around our bench and, and whether we sort of have good enough impact players. Yeah.
2: I think there still are definitely issues around our, our bench, but it's whether the, the Georgia game, was just, uh, by the time they were coming in at 60 minutes, the result was never really in doubt. So maybe the minds just weren't as focused as possible. I mean, that would be my takeaway. I mean, I think another really good positive I found was the build-up to um, the, the, sorry, the, the Seymour try following Hogg's kick through. The immediate build-up from that was um alan dell carrying quick hands along to ryan wilson quick mm-hmm. hands along to hogg who dropped it on the boot and then seymour was absolutely jets to get it in but when you've got it was rare and amazing to see scotland forwards in the middle of the park particularly a loose head passing to number eight and then ma- maintaining the sort of go forward and the, the pressure on the Jordan defense which i was I, I absolutely loved it i thought it was great
0: yeah i think actually specifically on um dell whilst I know we've had issues in the scrum, I think in the loops he's been really, really impressive. And it was really, yeah, it was really, really great to see. And I think you're right. A lot of Wilson probably had his best game in a long time. I actually thought Harley was was really good, especially getting us quick ball um, in the first 50 50 minutes he was on. And I think that when we have that um, group of Russell, Hogg and Seymour. Uh, working together, getting quick ball, they're, they're really sort of top-notch and can almost put, put any team away. And I think, um, hopefully, that's the sort of play that we can take into the Six Nations.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm completely in, in agreement for that. Do you think we're maybe a little bit reliant on Laidlaw and, um, and Russell getting that sort of front foot and gelling well? Because we saw yesterday they were obviously creating great tempo, but against Argentina they had pretty poor games. Do you think we're overly reliant on that um, that combination?
1: I think particularly, well, maybe not the combination, but I think we're, we've talked about it before, but we're quite over-reliant on Russell, I think. We don't really have a 10 coming through. I think that Paragos is a good nine, and Ali Price, when he came on yesterday, you know, looked like the kind of guy that is a, he's a tempo scrum half, you know, he wants to, to quicken up the game. Yeah. Um, but I suppose you sort of you get back to the question of, of goal kicking. Um, I, I I don't think we're too over reliant. I just think that those those are your half backs. They're the guys that control the game. So that's
0: that's just the way it is. Fair enough, Alan.
2: Any final thoughts
0: on the, the Georgia game? No, as I sort of said last week, I was really pessimistic about what we could sort of get from this game. <laughs> but but actually, but actually, I think um, a lot of Hogg had his best game, Sebo had his best game, great to see, as you said, Wilson, Dell, sort of having a uh, really good game, especially in the loose, and I think, sort of going to Six Nations, hopefully, Edinburgh and Glasgow can have good, sort of domestic and European um, Cup games, and we can sort of go into the Six Nations, really looking for three wins, I think, so it's
2: Yeah, I think so, I think it was a, a, a good final game and a worthwhile a worthwhile test, um, because, because, I think we turned a potential banana skin, and uh, we, we, we got a win, and I just look back to the days. Do you remember the game against Japan, maybe like five or six years ago, when it took a Ruri Jackson like last minute conversion to get us a win? And I just yeah, think it was we, a Patadri yeah, it was up at Patadri wasn't it? and I just think it's maybe not a fair comparison, but I just think that the Scotland that we know and love growing up would have sort of scraped to a win against Georgia, I think. Like look back at the 2011 World Cup um, when we played down in Invercargill. I think we won 15-11 or something, very tight, pure kicks. The manner in which we defeated Georgia and the tries that were scored, I think it's, it would be remiss if we didn't touch on Stuart Hogg's try yesterday, which was a brilliant, brilliant piece of individual skill, which I think shows why everyone's so excited about him um, for Scotland and hopefully getting a Lions cap
1: yeah definitely I, I agree I think it was a really really positive overall outcome. Um, quiz time
2: yeah let's have a go so this is the uh, yeah. the, the first iteration of the Fistle uh, rugby podcast uh, quiz Matt has been uh, has put this together so it's uh, me versus Alan for the spoils please do uh, play along um, at home Matt take it away
1: yeah so, so here we go it's got a few few tasty questions purely about Scottish rugby um, so number one. If you want to write down your answers or whatever, um, we'll, we'll ask them at the end. Um, name the Scots that have been involved with the South Africa coaching team in the last five years. Is there more than one? There's two. There's two? Yeah. It's, kind of, it's not re- It's not technically a trick question, but it, it's a. It's not easy.
2: What's so it's a difficult question?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Um, okay, all right, well, got that? Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Um number two. Who is the only Scotsman to have won a World Cup winner's medal? Is it a player? Yes.
2: No a member of a coaching staff, okay. Um no.
1: Can we got sort of a general era. I'll give you the year. Okay. It was nineteen ninety-three. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's, all say, that's all I'm saying. all I'm saying. What? Yep, I mate. Mean, it's it's kosher. It's all correct. Don't worry. I've not made a mistake here.
2: All right. Well, that remains, okay. that remains to be seen. Moving on. Yeah, go on.
1: Name all of Big Jim Hamilton's professional rugby clubs.
0: Oh, Big Jim.
1: There are five.
2: Okay.
1: I get a bon- uh, yeah bonus point if you can name the club that
0: he's moving to next season or the rumors. How is he still getting professional contracts? <laughs> I don't know. You just it's a big sector. <laughs> People.
1: Need it? It's like a prop. Yeah. Uh, I am struggling. I really, <laughs> it's I'm maybe quite hard, but I'm really struggling with that. They're dude. good questions though. The an- the answers are good. So.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you're a big fan of your own quiz, Matt. Well then. Well I
1: am. Yeah, I am actually. I think people are going to learn a lot from these these quiz questions.
2: Um. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: you ready to read our answers? Yeah. Dave. Yeah. Go on. Okay. Number one, what have you got? Richie Gray. Yeah. What have you got? Aaron? I've just got Richie Gray. I don't. I don't, yeah. um, I don't So Richie Gray is the the guy from the Borders, from Gala, who coach is a breakdown expert and coaches, coaches Krszak now in the Scotland setup. Can we get
0: the type of coach he is in the, the second team? one? Yeah. He's the assistant coach. He's the forwards coach. And he's Scottish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's a really weird one. You're
2: not going to get it, are you? No. I have absolutely no idea. absolutely no
1: idea. Matthew Proudfit. He played prop for Scotland, based in <laughs> African. Oh. He's now the assistant coach for the Springboks under Kitsia. Is he? Well, there we, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Good Good for Matthew. Um, yeah. Hopefully this will raise his profile. Because yeah, nobody's exactly. Nobody's ever heard, no, heard of
0: it. <laughs> I'm not sure how many cats he got, but... And I don't know if currently being a South African Forest coach is a pretty great job to have. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're not going to be boasting about that at the pub, are you?
1: Um, okay. Well done. That's a, that's a point. You need to give you that. You could have got on, two. Then. So who's the only Scotsman to have a World Cup winner's
0: medal? Didn't get it, did you? So, yeah, I'm completely... So is it... It's not woman, is it? No. It
1: was... And I can see the venue right now at Murrayfield. It was the 1993 World Cup Sevens Tournament. Huh, what? <laughs> and England won it. And England had Lawrence Lallier in their team. But they got to the final and played Fiji against Serevi. And they needed another player. And by that time, you, you obviously couldn't call up someone because it was last minute. Yeah. But you are allowed special dispensation to pick like a local player. So they picked a player called Billy Dodds <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't even get on, but he won a World Cup winner's medal. Who, Good old Billy. Who
2: won, yeah. was he just like a kid that was had his boots with him? It's fancy to get
1: He obviously was like an okay player. <laughs> but yeah, he's the only that's taken from Lars Delalio's autobiography via my brother. So There you go. I've, a, yeah.
2: I've actually just had a quick look up who Matt Proud Matty Pridefoot is. Yeah. Yeah, he got twelve caps for the Glasgow Warriors, four caps for Scotland from uh, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and uh, three. Played for Melrose, Edinburgh, the Leopards, the Blue Bulls, and Glasgow.
0: Fair play to him. There we go. And Billy Dodds doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So well, <laughs> Billy Dodds is also the footballer, isn't he? So, yeah, um, is
2: they're the same guy.
1: It was not, I don't think it was the same guy. <laughs> All I have is a name, and maybe he's in white from history, apart from the last of his book. Um, so, oh. question three. Hamilton's clubs, what do we get? So, you're both in one point. Should we do one each until we yeah,
0: get to it? So, Saracens. Uh, Gloucester. Edinburgh. We've, well, we've, the only place he's played in Scotland. Yep.
2: Um, he was in Was it Montpellier he was at in France?
1: Oh, aye. Oh, aye. And the fifth one?
2: Another, s- is it another English team?
1: Yeah, it's his first English team. Um, it's not Leicester, is it? It is Leicester. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I was going to say Sale, because everyone seems to do a stint at Sale at some point. Yeah,
1: Richie Gray did as well, didn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, Leicester, so that's all five teams. And bonus point: if you can name the club he's going to next year, London Irish. Well done. Oh. So you're equal equal points then. There we go. Well, so here's tie, a... I've got a tiebreaker. Oh well, go on then. How so we'll do it closest to the figure. How many caps has Stuart Hogg got for Scotland? Ooh. Do you want
0: to go first? Twenty
2: um, five? Yeah. Thirty four. Okay, what have you got? Uh I think he's close
1: to fifty. You know, force five? Oh, Alan is taking the quiz. Ah! see any caps. There you go. There you go. Close to his 50.
2: Fair play to Hoggy as well, getting that many. Fair play to him.
1: Yeah. But there's the quiz. Hopefully everyone out there enjoyed it and knew some of the answers. <laughs> and if that, that Billy Dodds thing is a complete load of rubbish, then please um, I... tweet
0: us to, to tell us. If anyone knew the Billy Dodds answer, I think please tell us on Twitter and we'll... Send a commemorative tweet. Uh, the We, yeah, shirt. we might. <laughs> <laughs> okay, something. we haven't even got the pool <laughs> shirt yet,
1: but we'll have one specially made. Special.
2: <laughs> the Billy Dodds commemorative polo. We will uh, yeah. have that commissioned. to kind of get
1: like the quake or something with Billy Dodds' name on it. Or well, like a nice bit
2: of cut glass or something like that. That would be really lovely for your mantelpiece. Yeah.
1: Sort of a national hero, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> enough people know about Billy Dot. Justice for Billy Dots, yeah. yeah that's
2: I right. think so. Well, let's get that campaign going this week. Uh, well, thanks, Matt. That's fast. Thanks. Like, you can what? you can do that. You can do that next week as well. Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was good. Right. So now back to back to the business. What are the main takeaways from the Autumn Internationals for Scotland? Matt, take us away.
1: Yeah, I thought about it today. I think that. Results wise, two out of three um, is you know eight out of ten. It was a shame we couldn't beat Australia. I think we we're sort of our own worst enemies there. Um, and I think performance: Australia was good, Georgia was good, Argentina was pretty poor. So I'd sort of give it a seven out of ten. Um, I think in the in the Australia and, and Georgia games, we have really good attacking shape. Um, you can sort of really see the style of rugby we're trying to play, which which is a good thing. Um, I think we were pretty good at the breakdown across the three, maybe a bit, struggled a bit against Argentina. Um, and I think we sort of, we cooked physically with every game really well. Our Physicality, our, our defence was was pretty good in, in most of the games. So that that was really positive. positive. Um, and then I think as well, we've we blooded a lot of youngsters. So Watson got his debut, did really well. Bradbury did well on his. Um, Fakeson and Dell we talked about, um, looking pretty promising. And I thought the price when he came on, Yes, they look pretty good. So, yeah, overall, I think there's quite a lot to be pleased about. Do we say Watson's now starting seven for the first Six Nations game? Think so, unless sort of, as of anything. Yeah, that situation yeah. happens. What's well, yeah. that? Hardy is going to Wasps. Really? Just quite. Yeah, I've heard that in well, the rumor mill. I,
0: there's no real point for Edinburgh to have both. Yeah, exactly. Watson and Hardy. Yeah, so it you would might be just, a bad move. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah what do you mm-hmm. think of? Yeah, I think said. I think. Second row, we're really strong And we've got depth Back row, great, great to see Hamish Watson And I think we're building depth across the back row Centres again Hugh Jones, sort of the standout player mm, for the definitely. first two games yeah. Again, just increasing sort of the depth we have in those positions And I think, just from a Worry perspective Front row and 9 and 10 I think if we have injuries They're real Key, yeah. key problem areas for us and I think spe- specifically at nine and ten, I do think it's a worry that if Finn Russell's not playing well, I don't think we play well, and I don't think we'll be able to beat any of the teams in the Six Nations apart from Italy
2: and Wales.
0: Yeah, yeah Hopefully, Wales. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's if if he's not firing and, and if Laidlaw has an off day, I d- there's just no way I could see us um, being any any of the major nations yeah. and i think that's a real big problem for us
2: yeah um, I, I, I think so my my, my takeaway from it is generally we're on an upwards trajectory which i think is great but i mean i also look back and i think what was happening last um last autumn we had some really good wins and then sure we got a couple wins in the six nations but it was kind of business as usual once we got there my sort of um Sort of staking the ground is I want to see three wins in the Six Nations as a, as as a minimum um, for this year to say that Scotland are on the on the right path um, and um, I think it will be really interesting to see looking beyond that the impact that the transition between Vern Cotter and um, Gregor Townsend um, has once that once that takes effect. Um, so I think all in all very good. Alan, I completely agree with your points in strength and depth, and I think it was great um, with the back row specifically. To see John Barkley, I think, playing some of the best rugby he's played in the Scotland jersey, coming back. And he offers so much across the back row um, in any of those positions pretty well, to be honest. And uh, Hamish Watson, great. I'd love to see Bradbury coming through and doing some doing some more. And I loved the look of Ali Price when he came on yesterday. It reminded me of like Dan, the way Danny Kerr comes on to replace um, Ben Young's for England. He's just a little bit more attacking, really wants to make those little sniping breaks that can break a game down after sixty minutes when the uh, when the forwards are getting tired in that sort of um, that defensive guard position. So all good, but let's keep a hammer. And I think as I think Alan, you said at the start of these AIs, um, they don't really matter that much. And I I didn't I don't fully agree with that, but I think this team will be judged on its six nations performance.
0: Yeah, it's um one area I just wanna talk about briefly is the centres. I think probably going to Six Nations. We say Duncan Taylor and Hugh Jones. Ooh. That's what I'd like to see. I thought
1: Dun I thought Dunbar had his best game of the of the AIs yesterday, before that yeah. I thought he was a bit off the pace. Um, I I think he's a thirteen playing twelve but he's lost his pace slightly. Um, and I think the Hugh, He's looking real slow. He's looking quite, I just think since he did his knee or whatever it was, it's quite a big injury. And I think the Hugh Jones is nailed on for that 13 now. Um, has Taylor played that much at 12? He's played 13, hasn't he? Even in the wing for Saracens. Yeah. yeah. But you'd like to think he could slot in. That that would be a really good centre pair. If it, if it, like, gelled.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I agree. Um, but I, I was also just going back to Russell as well. I think that in the wake of our project player chat the other week, um, that Phil Burley, the Edinburgh 10 is coming up to his residency being filled. And I think that maybe he's not going to push out Russell to start, but I think he's a really good backup 10 option. He can play 12 as well. I think he's obviously struggled a bit at Edinburgh because they're not, they're not very good, but I think, I think he's a really class player. So I'm a bit more positive about, about him sort of being
0: a backup. No, I agree. Actually, I think, um, when Phil Burley comes in, that'll give us just, it, it definitely... Seeing him on the team sheet just gives you a little bit more confidence than it does. Yeah. He's called Spud. Exactly. Spud. <laughs> Spud. The, oh, yeah, the pudding. Oh, called God. The pudding. God. Called the pudding. It's
1: I nice quite thing, like Spud, yeah. though, as well. Spud's quite good.
2: Spud's yeah. is, Spud is quite nice, actually, yeah. And I think if there's one player that I think has had a bad autumn, and they've gone down, certainly in my estimations, which is probably the way the Scotland team should be picked, um, Peter Horne, I thought, had um, a bad autumn. What do you guys reckon?
1: Yeah, I think his autumn probably remembered for that missed tackle on Kurudrani. Um, I even thought when he came on yesterday, he, just, he struggled a bit with the physicality. I think that's his main problem. He's just not quite big enough. And because he does get shunted between 10 and 12, he's sort of seen as a utility back now. and if he comes on and plays ten, he's not that experienced there, but then he's too small to play twelve, so I think he's kinda of caught between two stools. And I think that Burley can play both of those positions and will make tackles and is probably a better all round player. So I could see him sort of usurping that role.
0: Yeah, I think we've said it before, he's Horton's a really, really great club player, but he's yeah. just not an international player. And I think that's been shown up on quite a few occasions. I know he had a great World Cup quarter final against Australia, but Yeah, just just too many times I feel like he looks... He's just a little bit out of his depth.
2: Yeah, I think that's quite right. So I'll put you both on the spot right now. Who was the Scotland player of the uh, Autumn
0: Internationals? It's got to be Richie Gray. Richie Gray? Richie Gray. Sorry, Johnny Gray. (laughs) Johnny Gray. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Johnny Gray. Yeah, I I was going to say that. I think in terms of... If you're looking at most... If you're looking at players that have done better than I thought they would, he wouldn't... He wouldn't be there, but I just think his consistency. I saw he hasn't missed a tackle for 750 minutes of, <laughs> of international I think, rugby. I think that's like that's 10 cute, games. I think
2: that's cute, cumulative. The sort of uh, I think the times that he has not missed tackles yet is something like that. It's absolutely crazy. That's
0: mad. It's, yeah, it's, and I just think he just keeps putting in world class performances week in, yeah. week yeah. out. I, and I actually think I, he, he's pulled up the pack in terms of performance. Yeah, I agree. Um, which I think is a really good thing.
2: I think it tells you—it tells you an awful lot about Scotland's dominance and how little um, attack Georgia were doing yesterday. Is that Johnny Gray only made five tackles yesterday? Really? Oh, down, down from what was it? Twenty-five against um, Australia. Was it 18 eighteen nineteen against Australia? Uh, yeah. Sorry, Argentina. So um, that tells you a little bit. I think the best one of that sort of um, stat Stuart Hogg didn't make a tackle all day. Neither did, really? Sean, neither did Sean Maitland and Alex Dunbar, <laughs> standing at twelve, only made three tackles in eighty minutes.
1: Wow. That's that's unbelievable.
2: <laughs> so um, I just think it's uh, it tells you an awful lot about our dominance yeah. yesterday. Murray Lowe didn't chip in with a tackle, so that was a shame.
1: He got Simbin as well, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. So need that's... to move on from Murray Low. Finish off Lowe. The thing is, I I
0: like Murray Lowe. I want and what to... as, a, as a person, he just like seems all right. <laughs> Like, I really want him to do well. And then he just keeps coming on and being so <laughs> shit. <laughs> Yellow cards, penalties. He's terrible. must strong. have been so gutted when he pissed off. They're like, oh, no, this guy's so uh, terrible. I know. <laughs> but, you know, I just keep wanting him to yeah, their like, I know what you mean. He, he sounds like a nice...
1: By all kinds, he's a very nice man. So Yeah. Well, um, uh, I, th- I think that, yeah, just to go back, Johnny Gray was probably a man in the series, but it was probably expected I think the huge there are some question marks by him, but he's answered them, and I think he's probably been the most important find of the of the AIs. And Barkley most improved.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's, yeah, that's, uh, and uh, best newcomer, James Watson.
0: Jones had a H- Hugh Jones had already had a cap, Yeah. So what? Well, between this, between him, Watson, and Bradbury. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, let's, let's, you
2: know let's give Bradbury right? an, an honourable mention for his uh, yeah. his sixty minutes, which were um, yeah. actually not that. Dell did okay. Yeah, yeah, Dell. Actually. actually, now we're talking about this. there's actually been quite a few. How about uh, you guys out there? Let us know who your sort of players of the this series are. Let us know on Twitter. <laughs> That's at Thistle Rugby Pods. It would be good to hear your thoughts on that. Now before we get on to our uh, our sort of preview of the rugby that's coming up before Christmas, we're going to go back to our regular feature. Um, this is Alan's Sure Thing.
0: Apologies, faithful followers of Alan's Sure Thing, I've, uh, I've given you a dud this week, I know South Africa were unable to take the win against Wales, but I've decided we're going to double down against Wales being a failure. <laughs> And in the, in the six nations, I'm looking at Wales to be, a bottom, to be in the bottom two. I think we know, we've talked a lot about Ireland and England, France coming into that, um, good, good form. Scotland, I think, are going to be definitely in third or fourth place. And I think Wales are going to sit in that bottom two with Italy. So my sure thing, and it's a bit away, but my sure thing at the moment is Wales to be in the bottom two of the six nations.
2: Wow, thanks for the, thanks for that, Alan. Um, I really, really hope that's true. I would absolutely oh, love that to come true.
0: <laughs> it would be great. We've had we've had enough of being in the bottom two. Someone else's turn. There's an there's an issue with um, maybe I'm sort of following my heart more than my head, but I actually do think whales are terrible, and I genuinely, I I honestly, I, I generally genuinely think they'll be in the be in the bottom yeah. two, and I think. Um, as I said, I think this uh, game against South Africa is going to paper over a lot of real mm-hmm. deep cracks in that Wales setup. I and I think I the issue with, with Wales is is also depth. They've managed to kind of get by the last sort of, four or five years because they've got 10 or 12 world class players. Yeah. But actually, underneath this, and you see this with how poor the Welsh regions are in comparison to Ireland. There really isn't very much once you get through that, and a lot of the top players are getting older, not playing to the standard they were they were two years ago. And I really think that just Wales, the international team, and Wales rugby in general, really needs a big shake up.
2: Yeah, um, I think uh, I think I agree with that, and I think um, I will be betting uh, betting with my heart and hoping that Wales finish in the in the bottom two of the Six Nations. Ideally. A clean sweep. I'd love to see them get the wooden spoon. I think, <laughs> I think they deserve it, and um, I'd love to see Italy beat them as well. Yeah? So, should we crack on to our final one? We have a look at um, what's coming up uh, before Christmas. Lots on the domestic and European agenda, Matt.
1: Yeah, it's a lot, a lot to look forward to. Um, I mean, in terms of the domestic side, um, Edinburgh got Ospreys away um, next week. Um, Glasgow got Munster at home. They're two pretty important games, really, obviously. The internationals back and Glasgow coming off the back of a couple of losses really want to get the show back on the road and Edinburgh want to sort of try and bridge that gap between them and
0: the sort of top of the pack. Looking specifically at Glasgow, you know, we've had two losses in the league, sitting in fifth, really, to not allow Munster, Ospreys, Leinster to kind of get a gap ahead of them, I think... A home to Munster, and especially because they're going to be playing Munster in the Champions Cup yeah, as well, Yeah, it'd be really big for them to get the win. Totally. Um,
1: I mean, we, we were just watching there, that the highlights from, from Friday where, where Glasgow lost to the Ospreys, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I thought that red card was pretty ridiculous, at a, at a pretty crucial point in the game as well. I just, I mean, I, I just think it's soft. It's, it's not a completely dangerous intentional act, I I thought it was a complete
0: farce really I think it's one of those things that obviously he's hit the guy's head and he's he's been knocked out but that sort of technique of going into a rock must happen 15 20 times minimum a game you don't wrap your arms in a rock it yeah. wouldn't work so and I wasn't looking
1: at him I don't think it was it was maybe a bit reckless but I just I don't think mm. it was deliberate so um, but anyway yeah there's, there's some other really good European games as well so Edinburgh got Stafford, say home and away, two really big matches. Um, obviously, Edinburgh I think are unbeaten so far in the yeah in the yeah, Challenge yeah. Cup. Um, and you know maybe I'm not sure Stavrosay are going in top fourteen this year, but they don't tend to travel very well. So if you get me one a win at home and a minimum, maybe scrape a win away. Pretty um, some pretty good games really. Um, and then Glasgow more sort of excitingly, it got Racing Metro um, both at home and away. Which are obviously really, really crucial games if Glasgow do want to progress further in the Heineken Cup. Um, yeah,
2: I think what's, your, expect, um, what's your sort of predictions on how they'll get on there?
1: Expecting two wins, I think, is a, a bit much, but I think they need two wins.
0: I, I think they'll win at home, but they'll lose away. Racing Metro right. haven't lost at home this year, really. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think they're
0: looking pretty Can't cool see like that us. changing. It's, it's, it's just, but that's like French teams all over. I, Racing have won all their games at home and have won one game away. Seriously, it's a complete joke. I just don't, I just do not get it. What is their problem? Um, but yeah, and so, yeah, I think, obviously, you all want to have the two wins, but going out to Paris and playing racing is real, real tough, fast. And I think if you can get away from these two games with a bonus point win at home and possibly a losing bonus point away... Uh, yeah you got to take that. So what's that? Five points? Six points. Six points. That'd be class. And then hopefully Munster and Leicester beat each other yeah. at home and away. Yeah. Because um, then I think once going into that, you'll have Glasgow playing Munster at home and then they'll have Leicester away on the final day of um, the group stages in heart. Yeah. You'd like to think that on top form, we could win both those games. Yeah, definitely. It's, particularly if Leicester at that point
1: maybe don't have anything to actually play for. Yeah. Um, you never know. Um, so yeah, some pretty exciting games and then there's also the the first leg of the eighteen seventy two cup on Boxing Day. Boxing Day.
2: So
1: yeah, a lot of people will be heading down for and that I think that'd be a really good game actually. I think that before it used to be a real clash of styles in terms of Edinburgh playing a very turgid game and Glasgow sort of a bit a bit more open, but I think Edinburgh are moving away a bit from that. So providing the weather holds up, I think we could actually have a really really good match. Yeah, and you're organising beers at your house afterwards, so if there's any um <laughs> podcast
0: fans wearing a few beers after yeah. the game just get in touch with us over Twitter it's Open House and yeah, uh,
2: it Matt's parents are being very accommodating to all Thistle Rugby subscribers so um, we'll all be down there um, at Mario Field on the 26th and then back to Matt's afterwards for a few
1: sounds good I mean, the thing is, we do have thousands and thousands of followers, so <laughs> the, house might, the house might be a bit crammed. You can maybe get a, a roll and sausage, but we'll see. What Project It's Murrayfield. Project Murrayfield. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Now, um, any other business guys, or are we uh, coming to an end?
1: No, I think that's that. Oh, we, we, did, we did find out, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but who was before, but who's was uh, bankrolling Irvin Rugby Club?
2: Oh, yeah, the guy who signed um, Nicky Little.
1: Yeah, so through through you know our vast um, network of contacts, we found out that it was um, Sir Tom the Tom yeah. Tom McKillop. Tom yeah, L- yeah. yeah, Who was the chairman of RBS at the time when the infamous Fred the Shred?
2: Oh, good. So was, he's, got, he's, yeah. got a, he's got a long past of um, paying far too much for assets that are going to underperform. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I don't know whether they're going to have to write down that Nicky Little investment. I it'll be quite soon. Um, so yeah, he's a, I think he's an urban local, and um, he's the one supplying the cheddar.
2: Do you think the um, do you think the Scottish government would bail out urban rugby club like they uh, like we had to bail
1: out RBS? They are too big to fail.
2: So uh, that, that is that is. I think that's their motto underneath their badge, isn't it? <laughs> In Latin, yeah. yeah it what, is. <laughs> what do you think,
0: Nicky Little, was, <laughs> was thinking when he? Get, uh, got dropped off at Presswick Airport oh, <laughs> and got driven to Irvine to play his first game. I mean, I I just I don't even know. I, I just
1: think it's absolutely that crazy. Bad, but that, that's the man spending the money, so fair play to him. It's, yeah, it's a free market. Find that cash, I'd probably put it into to out So yeah,
2: yeah, good, good, good on them. And I hope it's a success for our uh, our fans down at Irvine uh, Rugby Club. Um, thanks a lot for coming along uh, guys, we um, had a great time chatting it through the whole autumn Internationals we will be back next week tuning through the domestic and um, looking forward to all the European stuff and the Six Nations coming up we are Thistle Rugby Podcast at Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter you can follow us on iTunes and the ACAST Podcast app please get on there, subscribe leave us a review and uh, let us know what you think um, but for another week it's goodbye from me Goodbye
0: for me. Ask goodbye from me.
2: Thanks, guys. See you later. See ya.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.